the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. You can always find me online at robblackshow.com. Third time wasn't a charm for the stock market yesterday, and today doesn't look like it either. Looks like we're heading to four straight down days. JP Morgan Chase, BlackRock, and Delta Airlines all topped at consensus earnings expectations, but we're worried about inflation. Democrats still can't get on the same page with their reconciliation bill. And the longer it goes on, the less or the smaller it's going to be. Apple is likely going to cut its iPhone 13 production goal this year because of component shortages. That's very, very interesting. I'm very interested to see how's that going to play out on Apple stock. It is my largest personal holding, although I have started to divest it as of this year for the first time ever, but very small portion. So I kind of have a, some skin in this game. Sold broker buys for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned. Down 1.1% today on that news. Not too bad. But it hasn't been hitting new highs for the better part of four or five months now. Apple's likely to cut its iPhone 13 production. That tells you how serious the supply chain issue is. Biden's getting involved telling the ports in the West Coast to stay open 24-7. Companies like Walmart are saying we're going to stay open later so we can let the trucks come in and get out as, as fast as possible. It's a big issue. If it's hitting Apple, it's going to hit everywhere because Apple's considered the best at quality control when it comes to supply chain. Total CPI in September was up four tenths of a percent, and that equals to a slightly bigger number than what we're wanting to see. So the consumer price index up 5.4% year over year. Later this morning, the Federal Open Market Committee is going to release its minutes from its September meeting. That'll be at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Consumer prices are a big part of it. But another part of consumer prices plays into Social Security. The cost of living adjustment is going to be 5.9% in 2022. More on that in just a second. FDA scientists have stroke, struck, I was going to say stroke, stricken, <laughs> stroke. They've uh, taken a favorable toad on the Johnson Johnson COVID booster shots ahead of the vote. That's the one I got. And out of the three biggies, it's considered the least effective. It's like, uh, social security. And it was the first one I can get just so you throw it down there. Be honest with you. Kind of indulge you. So let's go back to social security because this is a big one. This show is about getting your retirement. You're going to have a little bit of a stipend from the U S government from the years that you worked, but it's not huge, but it's going to go up 5.9% in 2022. That's good news and bad news. The reason it's going up that much is because inflation's up 5.4% year over year this month, but not for the calendar year. It's still going to be up over 5% for the calendar year. So a 5.9% boost is going to push Social Security up to about $1,657 a month. 
can you live off that? That's the question that I want to ask you. If not, you're going to need to supplement it with a 401k, a 403b, or a nest egg. And time is ticking. One way you can save some money is to pay less at the pump. Elon Musk must love this story. Gas prices are rocking and rolling. National average of gas is $3.27 a gallon. In California, because we're Californian, we are very socially friendly to the underserved parts of our communities. Higher taxes we pay because we have higher incomes. It seems to be the right thing that California thinks is in the right interest of the state. I don't know. We always do it efficiently. And I'd certainly like better roads for the higher gas taxes, but that's just me <sighs> being a little frustrated. Gasoline prices in California hit 444. Listen to this. Over the weekend, I saw gasoline at $5.21 a gallon. I've never seen it that high. Now, it's, it was known to be at a gas station that's known for gouging and having higher prices anyway. But I don't go to Exxon or Mobil because I see their commercials on television. And I know that California has a, how shall we say, recipe for gasoline. So it's all basically similar. Now, yeah, you get the detergents and stuff like that. But eh, if you don't think that's a gimmick, I, I can sell you an island. How do you save money at the pump? You should use gas apps. I use Gas Buddy. Gas Buddy tells me where the cheapest gas is in that area. It's a free app. They also have a car, a, a rewards card that if you swipe, you can save kind of a lot of money, 25 cents a gallon. That's not too shabby. That adds up. But again, 25 cents of $5 suddenly is like five cents a gallon, right? Enroll in gas rewards programs. I've done this. Um, if you go to Exxon or mobile, um, back in the day during college, I, I did some delivery, right? And so I'd always go to the same place. I'd always use the same card. I'd always get the same, a bigger discount than people who just use a normal credit card. I was using their affinity credit card. Um, kind of a bit of a mistake because I was going to the bigger name brand gas companies that have the higher gasoline cost, but there was no gas buddy back then. Back in the day when I was a young kid, when I was your age, we didn't have apps. Um, grocery rewards. So I shop at Safeway. Safeway uh, takes uh, gives me rewards for shopping at Safeway. The only trick is you have to use it within 30 days of the points being awarded to you. So Kroger has a similar type of rewards program. Check your big grocery store chain near you. Um, and that's all I'm going to leave it at. Buy gas with a cashback card. So if I do go to, if I use Gas Buddy and it tells me to go to this local store. Um, now, if they have a cash discount versus a card discount, I'm going to, or a card premium, a premium on the credit cards. I may not go there because I want to use my city 2% cash back. So when I'm buying a dollar of gas, I'm really only spending 98 cents. If you're buying a dollar of gas on a normal credit card that doesn't give you the 2% back, it's just a regular credit card, I'm beating you. Which again, there's a moral issue with using credit cards with rewards. Ultimately, it's probably going to mean higher prices for everybody because companies, they don't really want to eat that loss. They want to pass it on to other people. 
I'm just throwing that out there for you. How morally do you get wrapped up in things like that? I can't answer it for you. So Apple's difficulties in meeting production goals underscore the extent of the supply chain issues. The 10-year treasury, just shy of 1.57%, it starts to make it starts to run into resistance at 1.6% because as it goes to 1.7, 1.8, it's really going to slow down the markets. Low interest rate environments are way easy, way easy on assets like stocks. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Coming up, I'll hit some of the top stories of the day in technology and in business news. I'm Rob Black. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. And to a special episode of New Focus on Wealth. This time, the special means Rob Black is joining CFP Chad Burton, and CFP Chad Burton is joining Rob Black. Speaking of wealth, it's that time of year when people are playing baseball in the fall. The fall classic, Yogi Berra, who was a little bit before my time and way before CFP Chad Burton, when you focus on wealth time, was wise in his own muddled kind of way. He once said, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up somewhere else. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Chad, we don't have to make it all about baseball. But building a team, I'm going to let you talk about this one. If you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. What's that mean to you as a financial planner? Well, it's interesting because I can tell you that pretty much when you, the first financial plan you do for a younger person and you forecast how much a person's going to be at a certain age when they want to retire and, and uh, you know, here's what the income looks like in retirement, it's going to be wrong. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely going to be wrong because... First of all, all of those plans, you have you know linear cash flow projections, and the market's you know not linear. It doesn't give us constant rates of return of ten percent. Uh, it's all over the place, like this year, way above that, right? Um, and then things change. People come to us all the time, and they say, "Well, what about buying this second home? What about buying this rental property? What does it look like if I send my kid to this college versus this college?" What if I retire early, but I go back to work doing something part-time um, or like I w- I'm an engineer now, but I'd really like to go back and teach math for five or 10 years because I'm, t- I'm sick of this job, but at least they have a foundation, a, a, a plan built where they can run scenarios, run those what if scenarios, because we're constantly thrown different decision, you know, different choices that we have to make. And, and, and some decisions are kind of hard to make. And honestly, when it comes to money, there's never one, just one right decision besides should you invest and save? Yeah. You should be saving 10 to 15% of your pay from the day you start working. But other than that, there's a lot of choices and, and, you know, if, unless you have that basic map, you're right. You know, you're, you don't know where you're going. Let's talk about your situation because I think it's all about getting your financial house in order with a financial plan. It kind of, 
make sure nothing's too wobbly. But some people have children later in life. Um, <clears throat> I definitely got married later in life and had children later in life. But you have a very interesting scenario. You have a big gap between your children's ages, yep. um, both from the top to the bottom and from third to the fourth. Um, so that's changed your financial plan just a wee bit, I would imagine. Is that an, a fair assumption? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I, not I saying you didn't it's... see that one coming, but <laughs> maybe you didn't see that one coming. Let's, let's put me on the spot. Just because I've had one kid that just graduated from college and one that just went into kindergarten. Yes. Is that what you're trying to? <laughs> well, it, it's, um, I, I think, Rob, for me, what's changed it a little bit more is just kind of looking at other families and looking how kids live their life. And you go through these periods of time with your kids where, you know, you're everything. And then those years are, I don't want to have anything to do with you. right? So you kind of get those years and in, in certain part of teenage life where, you know, they would rather hang with their friends or, you know, play sports or video games or whatever they're, they're into versus do something with the parents. And then they kind of come back and then they want to do stuff with the parents. They want to travel. They want to do some things. And then they go back into like late college where going on a family vacation, especially if there's younger siblings involved, doesn't sound that attractive when they could go to spring break with their college buddies or their college friends. And the thing that I've also noticed is how I want retirement to be like, like I have just with my grandfather, even though, you know, he got me into the business. We had by the end, you know, different businesses because I started a fee only firm, but he still was, you know, attempting to work into his eighties. And for most of that period of time, he could do it. And the, the people that I see that are the happiest in retirement, they kind of keep their hand in the pot in some way, shape or form, whether or not they sold a tech company, but they, they sit on several different boards to help other companies flourish. And they, they're some sort of a mentor in their industry Mm -hmm. or, or some other industry that they can still help in, or whether it's a lot of volunteer work, um, they seem to be the happiest. So I don't have any problem. I, I do not think of retirement as a, as age 65, really. Right. Okay. I, I'm always wanting to build businesses and, um, you know, create jobs and have, I, I just don't sit around. Well, it's not my personality type. I cannot imagine right now in my life, just retiring and doing nothing. There's a lot of places that I want to travel, but I always have to have a project if you know what I mean. Um, so I've just been spending more than I ever thought I would in terms of vacationing with my kids, um, yep. you know, doing things that the memories will last forever. And cool. yeah, my wife said to me the other day, she said, enjoy these years while they last. I said, I know, I know, trust me. I was a teenager and I remember those years fondly. Um, let's wrap this segment up a little bit in the next two or three minutes, focusing on the unique goals of, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. What's some of the unique goals, some potential, uh, financial planning candidates should have for getting to where they want to go to in life. Well, first of all, it's a, you know, assessment of what your expenses are now and then what you want retirement to be like. So what are you going to do to get yourself out of bed and motivate you in retirement? You you can, you know, anybody can track their own expenses. You do not need to pay a financial advisor to track your expenses. You should be walking into the financial planning meeting with a basic list of what you spend money on and a basic knowledge of where you're kind of overspending and where you could do better. Um, But then retirement is like, okay, I've got to set a goal, a portfolio of value where if I get to a certain portfolio value, then when I'm 65, 
three and a half percent of that portfolio value will support my spending of what I want my retirement to truly be like. Um, then you throw in other issues like, okay, well, do you have a goal to sell this current house in the Bay area and then, you know, downsize and then also get a house in Arizona or something like that. You know, everybody's a little bit different in terms of where they want to be, but Rob, I can also tell you that if you're doing that and, and then 20 years from now, you have grandkids again, that plan isn't really where you're going now because <laughs> things change a lot. I've seen people like live their life 10 years in RVs until they have grandkids and then they move to Colorado so they can be next to their grandkids and life totally changes again. Sure. And sometimes it's for very compassionate reasons. Like yeah, they want to be near their grandkids so they can be the daycare for the grandkids um, and let both parents work and kind of define their own meaning, so to speak, which after a lot of therapy, I found out is really important for my wife to have her own meaning. And that's part of what we're going with with retirement as well. Maybe in the next segment, we could talk another Yogi Berra quote, because there is one more that kind of interests me on how you would interpret it. Um, It's 90% of the game is half mental. Um, Did you grow up with baseball in your life, Chad? (laughs) That's 90% of the game is half mental. What's the quote from... uh from weatherman like 60% of the time it works 100% of the time (laughs) (laughs) or my Uh, favorite stat three out of four people in America make up 75% of people in America (laughs) (laughs) there you go yeah now I've totally lost train of thought of where we're going with it but um we can let's get it let's get into that in the next segment (laughs) because it could certainly wait let me give you a big commercial here you can find cfp chad burton at chadburton.com he is a certified financial planner i realized 20 plus years ago that working with him would make my job a lot easier i wanted to do wealth creation how to pick stocks how to pick together portfolios but then i saw when the clients came to me that they had complicated issues like funding of college and funding of retirement things that a good stock picker just never really got to you can find chad burton at ep wealth i'm at ep wealth as well and you can find Chad Burton at his website, chadburton.com. That's C-H-A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. He's got a team of financial planners. Find him online at chadburton.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. It's a very special edition of New Focus on Wealth. Today, you get both of us, CFP Chad Burton and Rob Black. I grew up overseas, and because I did, I somehow got tied to the Yankees. The New York Yankees is my sports team in baseball, which I didn't pick them because they were winners back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, I wasn't that guy. Um, I did it because that's how I learned how to read, reading box scores. Um, a famous Yankee is a guy named Yogi Berra. And every fall classic World Series time, we bring him up in financial planning. A couple of things that he has said really apply well. If you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. That's tied towards your financial goals. Uh, He once said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. I don't know what that means other than perseverance is the key to progress for sure. But bringing in the final quote that I want to hit is CFP Chad Burton. 90% of the game is half mental. You and I both know there's like financial behavioral financial classes that are taught in the CFP world, trying to get in the minds of the clients to help them to help better understand what they need and how to get them there. What are your thoughts on 90% of the game is half mental? It is. It's because, so here's, here's the mental aspect of investing, right? You're most people are just plugging money into their 401k every two weeks. And for most periods of time, they're just watching the market increase, 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 and they're buying stocks, buying stocks. And, you know, they go through periods where it corrects, but they're buying more. So they don't notice the correction quite as much because they're adding money to it all the time. 
and you have a paycheck and so you're 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 just kind of thinking of this portfolio as off to the side for the future. Mm-hmm. Once people retire, their risk tolerance totally changes because that paycheck stops. That biweekly deposit into the checking account is now gone from your employer. And everything that you have is either going to come from Social Security or this portfolio and or like rental properties and things like that. So people tend to watch their portfolio more the first part of retirement. And unless they educate themselves really on how stocks and the stock market works prior to that period of time, embrace themselves for those corrections that we have, they start to panic. And then that's when they make mistakes because they didn't know, they didn't think about how they were going to react. They didn't know what they were going to do. If the market declined, they didn't know how often it typically declines. Um, And so what I constantly do when I talk to people is run financial planning projections at a conservative rate of return to make sure that they can last if we go through a period of time like 2007 to 2017. And then always talk about how we're prepping for the corrections. Like, you know, hey, the good times, they're 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 here 70% of the time. I mean, just look at this year. Market's up what 18%. The good times, you know, they, they're easy. We yep. just watch things go up. But hey, by the way, Mr. Miss Client, you're you don't forget about the bad times. The market is positive 70% of the time. It's negative 30% of the time. The average decline when it is negative is 13%. So if you have a portfolio that's large enough to retire, you know, that on a $2 million portfolio could be a $260,000 loss on paper. So think about that a little bit, right? Yep. Um, how, how are you going to react? Because if you don't know what to do, how to do it, or, or what's going to happen, mm-hmm then you could be panic and selling and you could be turning paper losses into real losses and you could ruin your retirement from one correction. You know, those that panicked out in 2009 and sold, never went back in more than likely their retirement's ruined and they had to go back to work. People that panicked at this last year in April and sold out missed on huge returns. What were you doing? I was reallocating portfolios, buying some small cap value. Some of those funds are up like 78% since the lows last year. And so you've got to look at corrections as, as opportunities to rebalance and buy. And uh, I think that's, that's really clear. And then if you have a plan, if you're constantly, when we meet with clients on quarterly reviews, once they're retired, we're typically talking about, you know, family planning issues, estate planning. Okay. How are we going to rebalance the portfolio, peel off some of the growth and replenish some of the cash that you spent. So we're always prepping for the next correction that we really don't know when the next one's going to come. I mean, we went 11 months without even a 5% correction. Typically you have three, five to 7% corrections every year. That's the norm, right? And when there's a 5% correction, doubt starts creeping in. The mental aspect of investing starts creeping in. But when things are good, the mental aspect is, woohoo, um, inactivity, don't do mm-hmm. anything. But when you are forced with that thought of do something, I think I told you during the commercial break, one of the best things I ever did was nothing in my portfolio. Um, and the 401k has proven me out that just put in money every two weeks, every two weeks, every two weeks, every two weeks, look back on it in not one year, but 5, 10, 15, 20. And it's been quite impressive. But on one year, eh, not so impressive. Yeah, because because over long terms, like you know, having emerging markets and international pays off. But over this last year, eh, not so much, right? But that's okay. I'd, I'd be buying more of that stuff right now, anyway. I mean, yeah, it's funny, Rob, because people, as soon as they find out, you know, I manage money for a living, they automatically assume I do a ton of trading. 
Right. And I don't, <laughs> you know, I look at more you know, top down analysis, like where are we wanting to overweight and underweight slightly and making small moves and, and sticking to portfolio goals, rebalancing when you need to. Sometimes that means paying taxes. And that's what we're dealing with, with a lot of people this year where I'm, I'm calling them like, look, just to let you know, um, you, we are going to have to trim some of your assets because you're getting your portfolio is getting too aggressive for what we're trying to do here. But that means you might be paying some more taxes this year, but that's okay. Cause taxes are likely going to go up next year on capital gains. So sticking with the strategy is very important when you're younger and you're just plugging away money into stocks. That's totally fine. But I mean, we can go into the idea of why a balanced portfolio works so well. Let's talk about that because on air, I've said some of the stupidest things ever. When I say I own a hundred percent stocks, I'm not into bonds. They're not yielding enough. I'll get there, but I'm not there yet. But now my age started to creep up where I need to get there. Thoughts. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, once you, once you start to get into your fifties, you got to say, okay, if I'm going to retire at 65, I got to slowly transition my portfolio to a balanced portfolio. Yep. And that's harder to do now than ever because bonds are, the I'm historically low income, right? And and interest rates are going up. So the overall bond market's down a little over two and a half percent right now for the year. Um, and we're we still expect rates to go a little bit higher. So honestly, I'm you know lighter on bonds and most balanced portfolios than we typically are. Um, so I get that. It's it's a little bit tougher right now. Fixed income and bonds is the hardest part, but I think if we continue to talk about this in the next segment mm-hmm. on the biggest part of drawing on your portfolio, timing the market on the way of building wealth doesn't matter. The only thing you should think of is when the market has those 10, 20% declines is how can you buy more right then and there? Not, not should you sell out, but how can I buy more? But timing the market is everything in retirement, meaning do not start selling assets when the market has declined and locking in paper losses. And a balanced portfolio will tend to recover a lot quicker than a full stock portfolio, even though the long-term rate of return can be higher with stocks. As you're drawing money out, you could have a lower rate of return and end up with more money on a balanced portfolio. It kind of sounds weird, right? But we'll talk a little bit more about it after the break. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find Chad Burton at chadburton.com. You can also find him on your podcast, on your phone, go to the iTunes section or the podcast button on either the Google phone or the Apple phone. Search in New Focus on Wealth with CFP Chad Burton. You'll find him. It's not that difficult. You can also find him online at chadburton.com. There's a lot of great downloadable resources. If you need a financial planner, good time to have a conversation going into a new tax year situation, more than likely. Find him at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Very special episode of New Focus on Wealth. Today, it's with both of us, CFP Chad Burton and Rob Black. A lot of content here about getting to your financial goals, but to get to your financial goals, you have to define them. If you don't define them and you have a lot of wealth, then you need a financial planner. As you get older, a financial planner will help you 
guide age 60 to 100 without a lot of financial hiccups when you don't have time to recover and where you might not have the cognitive power that you used to have to make proper decisions with your choices of money. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Chad Burton and I are talking and we've jumped from behavioral finance, which is important for sure. It's a part of the game. We've talked about having a plan and a roadmap to get you to where you want to go. But let's talk about the common thing you and I run into, portfolios that are kind of awesome, but then also problematic all at the same time. Um, stock market's had a great run. Being exposed to the stock market, it's been very, very good. The little girl with a curl. But if it goes bad, how bad can it get, Chad? Well, I mean, we look at a situation where uh, in from October 2007 to March of 2009, the stock market was down 57% from its peak. So think about that for a minute. Now, that was an enormous buying opportunity for those that had cash. So if during that period of time, you stuck with what most of what you owned, besides certain financial stocks that you might want to have ditched, right? Sure. Um, and you reinvested your dividends and then found ways to buy even more money. I mean, the returns since then are insane. Uh, and the market's up over 100%, just even from last year's major correction. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're building wealth, timing the market doesn't matter. You should just kind of, you know, say, okay, and when I do see those large declines, anything over 10%, that's a huge buying opportunity for either the next five years or if it's 20%, the next 10 years. Because every five to seven years, we'll get those 20% corrections. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, so when you're building wealth, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're all stocks. That's totally up to you. As long as you can, you know, as long as you're not going to panic and sell and try to go all in and go all out and make those mistakes, um, you know, go for it. But timing the market is everything once you're retired and you're drawing on your portfolio, especially really only if you're withdrawing more than your dividends and interest. So most stocks pay dividends, bonds pay interest. If you go into retirement and you're drawing more than that, you're ended up drawing principal. If the market's positive 70% of the time and negative 30% of the time, 30% of the time, if you're averaging out, you're selling at a horrible time. You're you're locking in paper losses during a correction. So you have to set up your portfolio so it's balanced. And so you have enough cash on the sidelines to get through that time. So let me give you an example, right? If we look at investing at the top of the market in October of 2007, right? The bottom of the market was March of 2009. And remember that because if you remember, I set up that conference call for all of our clients on March of 2000, March 12th, 2009, saying this has gone way too far. Do not panic out. Do not sell. This is way too low for what stocks are actually doing. And oddly enough, that was what, three days past the bottom. So I think those, those interesting times for sure. That was a rough period, right, Rob? Yeah. 2007. Oh gosh. It's you wake up uh, and you're like, I haven't had a call like this in a couple months, a couple years. And uh, when clients get nervous, they're really like, you do a good job of keeping them calm, keeping them calm. So when clients do get nervous, something's popped up, right? Yeah. You, well, you, well, you go through periods of time where you can tell. So everything is, is based on what a company is, is, you know, selling. That's the revenue, what their costs are. And then what's left over is the profit. So you can, you know, look at things like, okay, revenue was growing at such a rate. Now it's declined a certain amount. Let's say it's declined 8%, but the stock is down 30%, 40%. Then you can see where people have panicked out and that's a buying opportunity. You just have to, you know, stick with the program really. But I, I just want to point out that like, if you're retired and you are all in stocks, the market 
bottomed out March of 2009, but it took until August 12th, 2012, three years later for stocks to break even. So you went from 2007 to August, 2012, from the peak down to the bottom, back up to where, where, where stocks were, right? That, that was a long period of time where you shouldn't be selling stocks. You know, most people can't afford to do that in retirement. They are drawing some principle. What type of environment, in your opinion, do bonds do well in? What, like, what should we be looking for where we go, ooh, that's going to outperform stocks? Oh, well, or, when, maybe, or maybe never, because historically stocks are like 10% returns, bonds are like 4 to 5% returns, which sounds kind of funny to say out loud. Well, so their bonds have only had that higher, you know, almost double digit returns for the last decade because rates have been dropping. Right. And so that, that's over. Now going forward, it's pretty much expect the yield on the bonds, which is, you know, you're from 2 to 3% on conservative bonds. So <clears throat> but going back to, okay, l- let's say a person went into retirement with a 60% stock, 40% bond ret- portfolio in October 2007. Their portfolio broke even two years earlier, Rob. So instead of that person that was all stocks and they broke even August 2012, during that credit crisis and that drop, the portfolio is a 60% stock, 40% bond would have broke even in 2010. So that was two years earlier where you could have started selling assets out of your portfolio again without risking locking in losses. And a 40% uh, equity, 60% bond portfolio, that actually broke even on uh, uh, January 8th, 2010. So 11 months even earlier than that. So what can happen in retirement if you're drawing on your portfolio? Yeah, you could look at a 60-40 portfolio that has a lower average annual rate of return, Right. But when you model it out and you're taking money out of a portfolio, the 60-40 portfolio is less volatile. So you're doing less selling during negative periods. You could actually end up with more money. It's, it's, okay. it's a weird game of math, but you, you start to see this like diminished return, extra return for extra risk in retirement when you go from a you know, balanced portfolio of 50-50 up to 100% stock portfolio. If you go much over like 70% stocks in retirement, your average annual rate of return really isn't that much more. And that's if you were leaving it alone. But if you're drawing out, it's actually could end up less. So if we look at a long-term period, like, like let's, let's just look at like 1996 to the end of 2020, uh-huh. um, large cap stocks have averaged 9%, but a 60-40 portfolio averaged 7.8%. And the standard deviation of a large cap portfolio was 15%. In other words, the, the return could be 15% higher or 15% lower than the average, where it's only a standard deviation of 9.3. So yeah, not quite half, but the, the lows, the declines are so much lower on a balanced portfolio when the market comes down. And because it takes less time for the market to recover, you go through periods of time where a stock, all stock portfolio were outperformed drastically a 60-40 portfolio, and then the declines come, and then uh, that's when the 60-40 portfolio catches up. So I like to, to set aside my portfolio draws. You know what that, that number is, right? We, we calculate what does a person need to pay everything, your expenses, your taxes, your insurance costs, everything, minus your guaranteed income, like social security and pensions, 
And in some cases we might do rental income if it's a very stable rental property. What's left over is how much you have to take out of your portfolio each year. And I need three years worth of that in cash set aside and FDIC insured accounts or T-bills, you know, something that's totally safe. And the rest of the portfolio, you know, if you're going much more than 65% stocks, 5% in alternatives like commodities and real estate and, and 35% bond or 30% bonds, you're kind of being too aggressive. You don't really need to go more than that. Okay. So is that inflationary periods, does that change the approach to bonds or non-inflationary periods? Does that change your approach to stock allocation? Yeah. I mean, inflationary periods that are from growth and interest rates have to be raised, either, you know, slow the economy down from going into hyperinflation or deal with stagflation like the late seventies, early eighties, rising rates are tough on bonds. So you, you go a little bit light on bonds. You change your allocation in bonds to be a little bit more strategic versus owning just the core indexes of bonds. Um, you know, we, we own some core bonds and we own some strategic income like floating rate and some kind of go anywhere bond funds. Our bond portfolio is actually positive for the year where the Barclays aggregate bond index is negative for the year. So we're very, we're very focused on active bond managers right now. I not a big fan of bond indexes right now in a raising rate, rising rate environment. Remember when we got into this industry, there was a rule of thumb that was something like your percentage of bonds should be 120 minus your age. That no longer applies, right? No, no, not, not when yields are historically low. Most people are, it, it's actually kind of like the reverse of that. What used to be a 40, 60 portfolio, which is, you know, 100 minus your age If 60, you'd have 60% in bonds. That's totally flipped now. It's fantastic um, when rule of thumbs yeah. break, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We should do a show dedicated to just rule of thumbs that no longer apply. So it's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. He is a certified financial planner. I realized 20 plus years ago that I think it's really important to accumulate wealth, but then to manage it. That's what a CFP helps you do. To book an appointment, find Chad at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Find this podcast, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.